Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me on this Friday. We have survived another week in Biden's America, barely. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore and on Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. Also, the email account for this show, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let me know what's on your mind. All right, guys, on Monday, Labor Day, I will be here because the work of Saving America never ends. We'll cover the very latest, plus a very special conversation with NASCAR superstar. Kyle Petty. NASCAR legend Richard Petty's incredible son, who's a NASCAR legend in his own right. He's got a brand new memoir out, and he's got some incredible stories to tell, which will have you on the edge of your seat. I promise you, you will feel like you are zipping around that racetrack yourself. He's just an incredible guy. So the great Kyle Petty on Monday, not to be missed. Today, I want to break apart the spectacle of what we witnessed last night. I also want to talk about the latest polling in major Senate and gubernatorial races around the country. We will be joined by Robert Cahaley of the Trafalgar Group, known to be the country's most accurate pollster. I also have a few things I want to say about recent polling and the propaganda press, so stay tuned for that, and of course your emails. But first... The Monica Memo. Last night, you saw what actual fascism looks like. If you ever wondered how a civilized population could accept and then descend into a totalitarian dictatorship, now you know. Now you know. They pumped Joe Biden with God knows what drugs to keep him awake after 6.30 p.m. and his daily Jeopardy watching, and they wheeled him out to do a fascist pantomime. His whole intent yesterday, well, there were many intents, but the primary one was to try to crush the America First movement. He will not only fail in doing that, he will actually strengthen the America First movement, and I'm going to get to that in a couple of minutes. This was a garbage speech by a garbage president, and I use the word president loosely here. World leaders blow him off because they know he's illegitimate. So when we say president, understand, yeah, he's got the title, and yeah, he's in the White House, but he's no president. This was a pure garbage address from an illegitimate garbage president. 
The fact that he gave this disgusting, dangerous speech at Independence Hall is a sacrilege. The founding fathers are rolling in their graves at what this country has become, and the current fascistic leader who is taking it down the tubes. Yes, this has been underway a long time, but what we witnessed yesterday was just completely off the charts. I want to go through it here, and I want to start, before we get into the content of this, I want to start with the imagery, because that imagery, that was purely intentional. Everything they do, except when senile Biden goes off script, everything they do is by design. The policies, the rhetoric, the speeches, all of it, even their dress, is all by design. So they sent him out to Independence Hall also by design because, look, throughout history, all of our enemies have told us exactly who they are, what they believe, and what they intend to do. Whether it's Adolf Hitler sitting in prison writing Mein Kampf, whether it's Chairman Mao with a little black book, it's always there. It's all there. They tell us exactly who they are, what they believe, and what they intend to do. And the Western mind, being idealistic as it is, and full of wishful thinking and rainbows and puppies, that's part of our strength. But it's also a huge weakness, because when we are faced with existential threats, we look the other way. We don't want to confront it. We do everything we can. In fact, Bill Siegel wrote a fantastic book several years ago called The Control Factor. And he posits, it's, it's a, a brilliant book about the, the psychological gymnastics that we all go through to prevent ourselves from seeing the reality of the true threat, whatever the threat may be. He wrote it around the Islamic uh, fundamentalist threat and how we bend ourselves into pretzels to avoid seeing the true nature of the threat. But it really applies across the board to, to every, every threat that comes against us. We put ourselves into knots to avoid seeing it. Well, last night, it was right up in our face because Joe Biden and the neo-Marxists, these neo-fascists who are driving the country into the ground, are making no secret about what their intentions are. And the imagery was certainly part of that. He didn't stumble into Independence Hall to do this. Let's start there. Let's start with the physical location for where he delivered this address. He could have delivered it anywhere. He could have delivered it from the Oval. He could have set up a studio in his Delaware house because he's never in the White House anymore, which I guess is a blessing. But he could have done this anywhere. He could have done it on the Ellipse. He could have done it wherever, a million places. They deliberately chose Independence Hall because the message is, we are here to destroy America, and I'm going right to the founding location of America in order to deliver this message that the America they built in Independence Hall is over. That was the message of the location. So when I say sacrilege, you know, Independence Hall is a sacred place in America, And he went right into the heart of what is sacred, what we all hold dear in this country as our founding moment and all of the principles that have made this country great and free and prosperous. He went right into the heart of it and turned it dark. That's what the location was all about. Keep in mind, guys, I've said this over and over again. And people are like, oh, Monica, that's you're overstating it. It's too much. Really? Again, your enemy will always tell you who they are, what they believe, and what they intend to do. So he went right in there because he and his side are at war with the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and all of the rights and freedoms contained therein. That's why he went to Independence Hall. It wasn't just, oh, it's convenient. He's going home to Delaware. He'll make a pit stop at Independence Hall. No, no. They chose it because they are at war with everything that was created at Independence Hall and all of the founders. Haven't you heard? The founders were slave owners. 
They're to be discarded. They're to be smeared and attacked and, and thrown on the dustbin of history. So, of course, he gave this speech attacking America's very foundation at the foundation of America. Number two, the actual imagery. The blood red lighting, which it, it was uh, vertical, ver- those vertical like pillars of blood red light with the two Marines standing in like shadow. So you had the menacing military imagery there as well. That imagery was two things. It was Hitlerian. It was Nazi Germany, Soviet Union. Okay, so it was the the, the reference points were uh, the totalitarian dictatorships of the 20th century. Very dark. Usually politicians and presidents love to be bathed in light. This was the exact opposite. It was black almost except for those red lights. And I was on Fox News last night on Laura Ingram's show with Raymond Arroyo and Jim Jordan, Molly Hemingway, and it was a fantastic conversation. But the point that I made, and, and I, part of me was, as we were about to go live, part of me said, should you go down this road? And then I said to myself, screw it. Somebody needs to say this. It was purely satanic. Totally demonic. And the image that's been everywhere, I've tweeted it out, a million people have, that image of him at the podium, angry, Hitlerian, bathed in the darkness and the red light. It was completely satanic, guys. I've said over and over again, this is a spiritual battle. Spiritual. The war is good versus evil, God versus Satan, however you want to characterize it, whatever you believe, but it is a spiritual battle. I've said it on this show. I will continue to say it because it is real. Evil is real. And you saw evil manifest last night. Oh, Monica, the president of the United States is just bumbling Joe. He's not evil. He's just incompetent. He's just sort of senile. No, guys, wake up to the reality of what is descending on our country. In fact, it's already descended. It's here. It's here. I want to hit a quick break. When we come back, I want to take apart exactly what he said and why he said it. We did the location. We did the imagery. All of that was intentional. They know exactly what they're doing here, guys. Now I want to break apart exactly what he said and how incredibly dangerous it is. So hang tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double And the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys. And you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, welcome back. So last night, um, 
We heard over and over again from Joe Biden. He kept saying, my fellow Americans. Actually, Joe, no, according to you, we're not your fellow Americans, so you can just F off. This speech was an orgy of projection. We talk about projection on the show too. What is it? It is when someone accuses someone else of doing what they themselves are guilty of. The left are masters of projection. This is what they do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They do it to Donald Trump around the clock. And what you heard last night, they do it to us around the clock as well. Everything that they accuse our side of doing, they themselves are guilty of. And actually, when you really pay attention, it's quite a tell. Because Biden went through a whole laundry list of what they apparently are are doing in terms of elections, ripping up the Constitution, rule of law again. Everything they accuse of us of, they are doing themselves. So before we get into a couple of these clips from last night so we can take them apart, I just want to call to your attention that Joe Biden used two phrases deliberately. He said a lot of stuff, but there were two things in particular caught my ear that I want to flag for you. He used the word extremists and extremism to describe the MAGA Republicans. He used that word intentionally, and he has been for a while, but last night it was all over this speech. Why? Because the word extremism has the close association with terrorism. Extremists with terrorists. That is intentional to characterize all of us who voted for Donald Trump, who happened to believe in America and the America First movement, as domestic terrorists, okay? So understand when you hear the word extremist, it's not just uh, flippant political rhetoric. It's there for a reason, which is to tie us to the concept of terrorists and terrorism. He also used the phrase MAGA forces. And yes, he talked about MAGA Republicans, but he used the phrase MAGA forces intentionally as if All 75 million people plus who voted for Donald Trump are part of some sort of subversive guerrilla group. Again, these phrases, an intentional use of the language to try to characterize us as enemies of the state. They make no secret of characterizing us, painting us as enemies of the state. But to what end? Well, I'll tell you what end. Again, that, so, that totalitarian, Hitlerian, Soviet imagery kicks in here because the end result of painting you as an enemy of the state is so that they can use the full power of the state against you. They've already weaponized the most fearsome agencies in the U.S. government, the DOJ, the FBI, the IRS, against you. In fact, the entire government is weaponized against you. That's where we are in America right now. So a speech like last night, again, is about laying the groundwork to leverage those agencies, to leverage the full force of the U.S. government against you. It's laying the rhetorical groundwork to justify what they are doing and what's coming. So let's get into a little bit about what he actually said last night. Um, And again, keep in mind, every word out of his mouth is pure projection. Here he is, cut one, please, um, when he's talking about how MAGA Republicans just don't respect the Constitution or the will of the people or the results of a free and fair election. Roll it. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now as I speak in state after state to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. When you listen to it with your ear tuned to the concept of projection, they actually lay out the full menu of what they themselves are guilty of, right? It's right there. They tell you exactly. So let's roll cut two, please. Here is Joe Biden talking about MAGA forces. Keep in mind what I'm telling you. He's using MAGA forces to describe us as subterfuge, as a guerrilla group, 
a guerrilla organization working to undermine the United States from within, which is exactly what they are doing. Roll it. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. All right, so here, once again, laying out exactly what what they're all about when he's talking about, first of all, all they have is hatred and fear and division. So when he talks about, well, they want to deny you the right to contraception and all this other insane stuff, it's about dividing and it's about instilling fear and hatred because that's all they've got. Those are their weapons, and they're very powerful weapons. Those are the weapons that they have in their arsenal, hatred and fear and division. So always listen to Joe Biden and the left with those things in mind. And then when he talks about fanning the flames of political violence, attacking the rule of law, again, it's all about what they themselves are doing. I didn't see him raise any kind of concern at all when Antifa and Black Lives Matter were burning the country down in the summer of 2020. Oh no, that was perfectly fine. A, because it was morally virtuous in service of a virtuous cause of against racism. And secondly, because it was helping him politically. So of course not. Didn't lift a finger there on that political violence. That serves them. All political violence, with very, very few exceptions, comes from the radical left, the communist left. And then when he talks about the soul of the nation, guys, you have to have moral standing as a president to speak about the soul of the nation. He has zero moral standing. This whole thing was demonic. You think he's got some godly impulse behind him, some moral uh, latitude to talk about the soul of the nation? Give me a break. And the final clip I want to roll for you um, is a short one where Biden is talking about MAGA Republicans not living in the truth. Roll it. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. Ah, so we are the ones living in the shadow of lies. Actually, no, it's the exact opposite. It's Joe Biden and the Democrats, the neo-communists, the media, the permanent administrative state, the deep state, all operating in the shadow of lies. That's what they do, guys. This was a huge tell on who they are and what they are doing. That's why you got to listen to them very closely and with that filter in mind. And with that filter, then you can understand everything. Well, he, you know, smearing the ultra-maga Republicans. I don't know about you, but I came out of that speech ultra-maga. <laughs> ultra-maga, man. Uh, I think that this speech is going to have a giant boomerang effect. I think it's actually going to embolden uh, Republicans and Democrats who are disaffected from their party as well as independents. Nobody in America with half a brain um, who actually loves this country in any kind of way could come away from that speech and say, hey, that was a unifying speech, right? That I think most Americans were horrified by what they saw last night. And, you know, we talk about the 75 million people who voted for Donald Trump. And yes, that, that's true. I think all of us are absolutely horrified. But there's a bigger picture here, which they didn't take into account, or they did, and they just don't care, which is that independence and disaffected Democrats, which they're going to need in November and 2024, I think they were absolutely appalled by what they heard. Outraged, disgusted. And if this were just a, a speech to motivate the left wing base going into November, which it was, but he did it in prime time at Independence Hall with the whole thing. This was meant to be a message for the whole country. 
And I think the vast majority of Americans reject this wholesale. I think they were absolutely revolted by what they saw because this was a declaration of war on red state America, calling all of us a clear and present danger. But if you are a uh, an independent or a Democrat that maybe voted for Trump and maybe you switched to Biden because you couldn't stand Trump's tweets or whatever, I think if you heard that last night, you were going, wait a minute, wait a minute, how do we go from the basement dummy uh, running as a moderate and a unifier from his basement in uh, 2020? So I voted for him because Trump was a bit too much, and I thought I was buying a moderate president in Joe Biden. How do we go from that to this? Well, I'll tell you how. Because Joe Joe Biden has always been a hack and a jerk. Now he's a hack and a jerk with senility, totally controlled by the communists. That's how we got there. And I think a lot of people now are looking at this going, whoa, Okay, this is a bridge too far. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I voted for. This is completely out of control. It's really, I mean, we we are in a very dangerous moment now. And I think most people now understand that. I'm not talking about the MSNBC crowd or even the CNN crowd, although the CNN analysis last night, I turned that on for a little bit and they were like very tentative. Now, they all want to keep their jobs. They've got new management in there that wants a fairer presentation. We'll see how that works. Um, But so they're all trying to moderate a little bit, not much. But even they were like, maybe not the best idea to give a speech like that with that kind of imagery. Maybe not. So I think there is going to be a huge backfire on this speech. You know, Joe Biden's poll numbers, and we're going to talk to Robert Cahaley here in just a minute about uh, poll numbers state by state in these big Senate and gubernatorial races. Um, But I think, you know, Biden's poll numbers had come up a little bit, low 40s, because nobody saw him. COVID, endless summer vacation. (laughs) He was out of sight, out of mind. People liked it that way. Um, then his number slid down. So now he's back at like 38%, which is pathetic. So I think they thought that this speech would help him in some way. It's going to be the exact opposite. Guys, I am telling you, he's going to slide back down to the low 30s, maybe even lower. Who knows? I think this speech was so terrifying, horrifying, satanic, off-putting, revolting. What other adjectives can I come up with? This speech was so Uh, just atrocious in every way, calling up all kinds of historical analogies that are not good, very dark, murderous even, that I think a lot of people are just, uh, they're going to turn their attention to the Republicans now. And we're going to talk to Robert here in a second about what he's seeing in terms of poll numbers. But once we cross Labor Day on Monday, you're going to see a completely different ballgame. The pollsters will lie to you. The Democrats and the propaganda press will lie to you about where we are. Oh, these races are close. And that does not mean take anything for granted I I think we're going to have actually a good day in November. Doesn't mean take it for granted. It means work constantly around the clock because they're going to try to steal this thing because they have no choice. So we have to stay vigilant and work extra hard. But I am telling you that this speech was the crossing of a Rubicon. This speech was a tipping point. And it is going to create a massive backlash against the Democrats. It's going to be the exact opposite of what they intended. I promise you that. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Robert Cahaley about uh, most recent poll numbers state by state. But before we do, guys, listen up, because I want all of you to be as healthy as possible. We need everybody at full fighting strength for this war that we are in for our country. To get myself healthier, I am taking Field of Greens every day, and you should too. Field of Greens is packed with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. It's what I need to stay healthy. I feel great since I started Field of Greens. Field of Greens works fast and tastes delicious. You'll have more energy, you'll look and feel healthier, and it can even help you lose weight. 
So join me and take Field of Greens too. To help you get started, I got you 15% off your very first order and another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. So visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. I do want to welcome Robert Kahaley. He is senior strategist and pollster with the Trafalgar Group, and he's got a very well-earned reputation for being the nation's most accurate pollster. Robert, welcome, and I'm so delighted that you're here with us today. This is the first time we've spoken, but I've admired your work for a very long time. And like I said, you do have the well-earned reputation for being the most accurate pollster. So I wanted you to join us today to talk about your most recent poll results, which you have been releasing on social media, on Twitter and so on. And I find them fascinating. So let's start first with Arizona, the Arizona gubernatorial race. Walk us through that. Well, in the Arizona race, we have uh, Carrie Lake up. And, you know, a lot of people are you know, I don't think they really expected just how strong she seems to be doing. Uh, but it, it's what 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 we found is is that she has very very high name recognition and uh, positive among people far outside of politics. I mean, there's there's just because she was a, a TV anchor in in the uh, I think of the the Phoenix area for twenty years. Uh, that is just kind of shining through, and it's definitely benefiting her a great deal. So uh, we have we have her up, and we have um, I think we have her up at th- have her up by three points, and we have the uh, masters uh, percentage down by only two, and uh, that's that's a little more competitive than a lot of the other polls are showing, uh, but we feel very confident in 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 those results and. Uh, what we see is one of the other things we, we measure is kind of where Biden is and and how he feel about Biden. We ask a question about uh, would you rather vote for somebody you like who supports the Biden agenda versus someone that you don't necessarily like who opposes the Biden agenda. And again, Arizona is a state where that number is over 50 percent. So uh, running with Biden, uh, he is a huge drag. And um, it's it, it's having it's having a major impact, and you know you're seeing right now, as you just commented, what these southern governors, uh, border governors, I should say, are, are doing. And so, it's amazing how even governors' races become nationalized because of these issues like the border, uh, like COVID restrictions that, that that are kind of uniform around the country. Yeah, you know, it, it's an important point that I think is can be broadly applied, uh, Robert, which is that everything is national now. So whether you're talking these state races or gubernatorial races, Senate races, it's all national now. It's all of a piece. Thank you for those numbers. That's interesting. You know, Carrie Lake, I, I've had her on my podcast. She's tremendous. And like you said, she's already got very high name recognition because she was a news anchor. But also, I think because she's been such a fierce fighter um, along the lines of President Trump in a very similar style. Obviously, she's a woman. It's a little bit different. But that that same kind of America first fighting spirit is what Republican voters and independent and disaffected Democratic voters really want to see in their candidates. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We see uh, a real thirst for outsiders, uh, for, some, for, for some for something different, and th- and this is one of those situations. This is a what you know. It's not so much of, of wanting a Republican, just want something different. And she comes in from the outside as someone that people knew and and, and built a level of trust for as she was on TV, and that is, we're seeing that transcend the kind of some of the partisan politics people expected would weigh on her. Yes, yes. And in terms of the Senate race, Blake Masters, the GOP candidate there, he's only two down in your most recent poll against a an incumbent, Mark Kelly. So that's, that is uh, pretty significant. So he's within the margin of error, right? 
Absolutely. And when you also consider that this incumbent is below 50, and when incumbents are below 50, they're vulnerable. I mean, right yes. now we have uh, the, uh, the Libertarian at 4.4. I don't expect he'll end up at 4.4. So, you know, what, what we find is sometimes there are some voters who end up, uh, you know, if, if they're for the Libertarian race like that, it means they've kind of already made, they've crossed the line of being against the incumbent. And a lot of them, as much as they might like the Libertarian, if they've made that decision, I'm not with the incumbent, when it comes to vote, a lot of them just said, well, I want to I want to beat the incumbent, and they, and they cross over. And so we, we found that number usually goes down. Very interesting. So Blake Masters, very competitive. That's excellent news. We're talking to Robert Cahaley. He is senior strategist and pollster with the Trafalgar Group. Let's turn our attention now, Robert, to Pennsylvania. It's getting a lot of attention with Dr. Mehmet Oz as the GOP candidate running against John Fetterman on the Democratic side. Fetterman in the last, like, couple of hours put out last night he put out that he is not going to debate oz because he's just not feeling well enough a couple of months ago he had a major stroke he can barely form a sentence i mean this is quite extraordinary if he doesn't debate oz and it's basically nowhere to be seen do you think that the biden basement strategy that worked for biden in 2020 will work for fetterman in pennsylvania no I think it's I think it's going to be a problem, and and when people look at that race, you know, so quickly, I mean, one of the things that one of the things that we have going on out there, and I think people are beginning to realize this, is there's a lot of polls that are coming from these media groups and universities that clearly have an agenda, and they're right. trying to set the tone that there's some kind of a problem with the GOP candidates, uh, and I've got a lot of problem with a lot of the way these polls are done, and, and that record is horrible. I don't know why people even listen to them. Uh, so the people, you know, the polls that have this, that race by 10 points, that's just not reality. It's nowhere near that. Uh, we've got we've got Oz down uh, just a little bit uh, at, five, at five points with 4.9. And what people need to understand is for three months since that stroke, this guy's been in a cocoon. Nobody has been a, it, it has been kind of distasteful to say anything about Fetterman, to talk about him in any way negative. Uh, you know, when he, when he was recovering, but nobody let, nobody let up on attacking Oz. So these numbers was like Oz basically being hit for three months and Fetterman being untouched. That that has ended now. And, you know, you, you've seen it pretty regularly, uh, Fetterman's record coming out there in support for legalization of uh, heroin, his, uh, his endorsement and support of Bernie Sanders, and people began to realize who this guy is. And I think that, you know, this attitude is not debating stuff because in the end, what does a U.S. senator do? They vote for an agenda and they debate. And if people in Pennsylvania, as we know, do not like the Biden agenda and they want a senator who can debate. So it gets it gets it starts moving in a different direction now that people are kind of paying attention to this race. The other thing to realize about Oz, much like uh, with Lake. Oz, having been on TV and built a, a fan base, has a fan base that, again, transcends politics. And so what we do find is, and that we dig down in the numbers, is of those people who are infrequent voters uh, who say they'll participate in this election, Oz wins those, uh, we call low propensity voters, uh, at 78, uh, 72 to 28. And that is a significant difference. I mean, so if you... And, those are the wild cards, and there's a lot of those kind of people who are participating in this year's election who turned out in 2020 who didn't vote very much before at all. Very interesting. You know, your point about the fact that the battle was not joined, but now it is between Oz and Fetterman, that those numbers are going to tighten a lot. I think that's such a critical point. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I was talking earlier in the show, Robert, about how they used COVID. They, they went for the one issue that you can never question without being a jerk, which is health, right? Like if your kid comes to you and says, I can't go to school today because I have a stomachache. If you say, no, you don't have a stomachache, you're going to school, you're the jerk, 
right? Because you're questioning someone's health. So it applies in this case to Fetterman as well, but he is clearly not well. Everybody's been very afraid to question that and his ability to do this job. But now I think now that we're approaching Labor Day, the battle has been joined. And I, I think Oz, certainly you've got him in striking distance. And I think he's likely to pull off this race. Let's talk about Pennsylvania governor. What are you showing there? Uh, we have uh, Mastriano uh, just four, actually three point uh, nine points down, and uh, you know that one is one that every, everybody was so quick to write off that race, and it, it, it's amazing because it's like, well, he, he can't he can't win because he questioned the election. He, you know, he he can't win because of his association with Trump. Well. It's been two years. People are very upset with Biden. Biden is very much underwater in Pennsylvania as well. And and it's like if, the, if they're betting all their cards, if their only reason to think Mastriato can't win is because he thought something funky happened in the Pennsylvania election and that he supported Trump, maybe they ought to check what the Pennsylvania electorate thinks about what happened in 2020 and how they feel about Trump versus Biden today. And they might be surprised. Right. Right. No, it's such a great point. And I'm glad you're bringing up Biden because I think a lot of GOP candidates are are either ignoring Biden or afraid to run against him. But his poll numbers are so bad. And this is such a catastrophic uh, time for the country, thanks to his failures of leadership and his weakness, that every Republican candidate should be running against Joe Biden as well as a candidate Absolutely. in front of them. Right. This election is a referendum on how Joe Biden has done, how the Democrat majority has done. And I've used this analogy before, but it, I think it bears repeating. Uh, running with Joe Biden is like having a house full of termites. At first, everything seems fine and nobody's talking about it. But before it's over, it's going to be the only thing that matters. Yes, and and this is an historic catastrophe, which we're living through. So every GOP candidate... If you're listening right now, take the advice from Robert and me, run against Joe Biden, as well as a candidate right in front of your face, tie him to Joe Biden, 100%. Biden is a giant anvil around the necks of all of these Democratic candidates. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit, Robert, about Georgia, the Georgia Senate race, Herschel Walker versus Raphael Warnock, and the Georgia gubernatorial race as well. Well, this one, of course, is in our backyard, um, so we get to see this one uh, uh, daily, <laughs> get to see the onslaught of ads and everything that goes with it. Uh, and Kemp is just, right now, appears to be walking away with this thing. And, 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 you know, if you're here, what you notice is just, I mean, he did not let Stacey Abrams define herself at all. That comment about uh, Georgia's worst place to live, I bet I've seen that. 3,000 times on TV. Uh, and he, he is just, he has a, a very, very significant lead. And it, you know, it, I don't think people really, I mean, it's like we, we all were expecting a lot more out of Stacey Abrams. I don't know what her plan is. Maybe she's got a howitzer. She's going to aim at him and, and blow him out of the water. But at this point, uh, it, it, it does not, not appear to be close. We, we have him up by over seven points. Uh, and most of the other surveys have him, you know, up from four to five. And it's just, it, it, it really is, it's, it's not close. And his, he has run a stellar campaign. Fantastic. And the Georgia Senate race? Well, it was so funny. Yesterday, when we were, we kept, we kept looking, we kept looking at it. And it was like, yesterday morning we finished, we have Herschel Walker up. And we didn't expect to see that. We were really shocked. And I'm like, Walker's up. And so we spent like three hours like questioning ourselves and just running back through it, making sure that was, you know, everything was perfect. And so I was telling somebody, I said, yeah, that we were about to release. I said, it's going to believe this. We got Herschel Walker up. And they're like, oh, didn't you see the Emerson poll? They have you up by two. And I'm like, ha, ha, how about that? I mean, even a poll that is not famous for, for for basically doing any favors for Republicans has him out by two as well. And, and you know, and so I'm like, wow, he, it, 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 what we're seeing is a pushback, and this this 
uh, student loan thing, this thing is massive. It is a mover. This thing is motivating people. And it, 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 the impact of this, I think we'll see in our next round uh, some more of this. But we, the feedback on that one is they don't like the student loan thing. Everybody who didn't get a student loan, this this what this is what you're not seeing in the news. The people who didn't get student loans are furious. We've all seen that. But yes. what we're not seeing is the people who have student loans are saying things like, oh, I owed 90000 now I owe 80 Thanks. Yes, you know, I make a dent in most people's student loans, and they're angry too because they thought he was going to wipe them away. They first saw wiping away on on the TV when they're starting to announce it, and really thought it's going away. And that disappointment from thinking, "Hey, I owed 120; it's going to be going away." Oh, I owe 110. Is just it's not that much money to the people who got it, and it's a lot of money to the people who didn't get it. And so he's figured out a way to make nobody happy. You know, uh, when he announced this, I took to Twitter and I put out a tweet that essentially went viral saying, you know, I think that the Democrats are really underestimating the emotional reaction, the emotional backlash against this policy based on the inherent unfairness of it, Robert. And I said it last night again on Fox News. I think it's 100 percent true. Can I ask you before I let you go, the abortion issue, the Dobbs ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, is that coming into play at all in favor of the Democrats. Yes. And, and let me tell you, I have a different take on this than the most. Um, I don't think the decision itself is coming, is the problem. I think the the reaction by so many uh, states to move quickly and ban abortions and, and pass new laws all of a sudden between now and an election is the problem. Because it's, it's almost like the left said, well, you know, the Republicans, you know, the, the, they're going to go to, you know, go all uh, draconian on it at the moment this falls. Well, they kind of fell into that trap. And, of course, then even a reasonable abortion law that happens between now and the November election is going to be perceived, and they're going to have these crazy, perceived as like over the line, they're going to have these crazy examples of this person, oh, I got this happen to me, and and, and it's popping up in, in a lot of these states, and it's just like, you know what? Steady pressure, steady work in the pro-life movement from the time that Roe versus Wade happened, and all the way through the election to get the, get Trump and three Supreme Court picks. That steady pressure got this done. Don't it, it, don't overreact to the point you're going to undo what you did. It's like. It's it's a great movement, but you need to just let's get through this election because elections have consequences. The Dobbs decision is a result of elections, but if you overact too quick, you're going to see it go the other direction, and that's not going to help pro-life in the long run. If the goal yeah. is truly to limit the number of abortions, then let's focus on getting that done and not try to go for everything right now. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And uh, just final point on this, the, the top issues in terms of what you guys are seeing, is it still the economy, inflation, gas prices, open border? It is. that, that there's, there's, It was funny. I saw the NBC poll, and they were uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were saying that the number one issue was people you know, questioning the strength of the democracy. And they, they trotted that out as number one, like, you know, this is huge. Well, if you read the way the question was worded, if you think our democracy was threatened by people, by the FBI raiding President Trump's home, you could have answered yes to that question. Right. But they didn't explain that there was a lot of people who think that's a threat to democracy, too. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. So there's, there's a reaction to that. Uh, gas prices, not, not so much, but as they itch back, uh, it's going to make a difference. And, um, you know, uh, it, it, if we have an early... Uh, some early uh, cold, some early freezes uh, in, in some of the northern states, and people have to start filling up those uh, uh, heating oil. And the first time they fill up that heating oil tank for the, for, for the winter, they're going to get a shock like you can't believe. And I think a lot of what happens in this, this election in a, a lot of those places, a lot of those congressional districts, may very well hinge on whether people have gotten that first heating oil bill or not. 
Absolutely. And we know what this winter is going to be like. It's not going to be easy for a lot of people, uh, given where energy prices are right now. So, uh, Robert, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and walk us through some of these races. We will have you back as we get closer to the election. But we really appreciate your being here. Robert Kahaley, he is a senior strategist and pollster with the Trafalgar Group, the nation's most accurate and trustworthy pollster. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you so kind. We appreciate y'all. Have a good day. You too. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, time now for the end of the week email bag. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com is our address. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Drew writes, Monica, I agree with most of your other listeners as far as all of the wonderful things that they have to say about you. You're sharp, beautiful, tough, and a true American. I was in Mexico on a trip for a friend's daughter's wedding when I listened to the podcast in which you called Dr. Fauci or someone else a punk ass bitch. L-M-A-O. <laughs> Maybe it was Joe Obama. All leftists are punk-ass bitches and communists. You're right in not holding back anymore. The leftists are not liberal or progressive. They are punk-ass bitch, anti-God, anti-American communists. You had on Dinesh D'Souza. Just listening to Dinesh describe what went on in the investigation and production of 2,000 Mules was eye-opening, to say the least. I started to watch it, and I was stunned on how few of those conservative guests on the panel still hemmed and hawed as to if this kind of thing really happened. That flabbergasted me. Anyway, you're awesome. I just wish you could go on longer. I was also an avid Rush 24-7 member and listened to every minute of every hour. I'm also a 29-year Army veteran. Is there a limit to the time a podcast can go? I'd listen to you for as long as you'd like to talk. (laughs) God bless you. Drew, that is a dangerous proposition because all I do is talk, 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 talk. I have so much to say all the time. Um, But I thank you so much for the very nice words about the show. And I'm I'm glad that you're listening and enjoying it so much and that you're part of the Monica Crowley podcast community. You also have our big gratitude for your three decades of service to our great country in the U.S. Army. My father was in the Army as well, and I was actually born on an Army base, which I guess makes me an Army brat. And yes, the neo-communists ruining America are punk-ass bitches. I make no apology for calling the enemies of America exactly what they are. And as we saw last night, Drew, the other side, those punk-ass bitches make no apology for calling us semi-fascists, right? So they are punk-ass bitches who are doing a lot of damage until we can stop them. Thank you so much, Drew. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me today. And always, thanks also for checking out our fantastic sponsors who really keep this show going. We appreciate that as well. Have a great holiday weekend. I will see you right back here on Monday with NASCAR legend Kyle Petty. Not to be missed. I'll see you next week.